Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, July 11th in the year 2022. Of course, East Coast, you're already on Tuesday. And so we are having a world that is literally unwinding as we know it is. And part of that is weather. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. Patriots, make sure you are keeping your health strong. It's really important right now in this climate. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. So Patriots, we've got all sorts of crazy weather going on around the world. They've got a hailstorm that was going on in Argentina today, massive. And then we had massive floodings in India and Pakistan. Just unbelievable. There's fires in Yosemite, and that's burning viciously. The Surumidake Japan volcano is beginning to shake. There's two massive tornadoes that hit China's megacities. In Karachi, Pakistan, there was flooding that even the airplanes were landing in deep floods, and the towns are being completely swamped. And then they had a snowstorm that stranded 200 people in between Chile and Argentina. Lots of stuff. And then how about this for earthquakes on today? A total of 226 earthquakes. And from the range of 2.5 to 44.2, we had Samoa, California, Hawaii, Texas, Tongo, Puerto Rico, Nevada, Kermadec Islands, Alaska, Vanuatu, Indonesia, Wyoming, Oregon, Japan, Iran, Argentina, Somalia, Chile, Fiji, New Mexico, Greece, Armenia, and India. So just a normal day in the world. All sorts of crazy weather that's washing people away. And of course, we know it's all natural. There's nothing that would possibly be manipulating the weather like harp or cloud seeding or lasering clouds or anything like that just just a normal day so just giving you the weather report that's it well there's a lot of stuff that is going on and we're really in a point in time where the world is literally unwinding and as it unwinds 
crazier and crazy things start to happen. They're still trying to explain how they just found a coin in Mexico with the date 2039 on it and a Nazi symbol on the silver coin. That's an interesting one. Just a little bit of strangeness as we continue down this walk. Again, don't worry. All is under control, and it's just bizarre. As we have children that are dressing up like dogs and cats and barking at each other and finding that to be the new form of dating. So, I'll tell you. Crazy. I think the bigger question is, and it's a question we're all going to have to, at some point, address, is how much is artificial intelligence actually behind all of this. We're being pushed into a world which is highly suspect of what we're where we currently are and we're being told that or being played into believing that there is a kind of a war that we're winning going on. But as I've been alluding to here for a couple of weeks, the real question is what does winning look like when both solutions are similar? And what's that similarity? Artificial intelligence. One side is wanting everything to be managed by a very harsh and draconian artificial intelligence. The other side has this semi-cooperative relationship with this artificial intelligence, which leads me to believe that artificial intelligence is right now probably needing to be reined in, in a sense of they're making peace with it. Because I think they've let the cat out of the bag, and I don't think, it's, I don't think you can get this genie back in the bottle not in the way that we're seeing things. The logical conclusion of any sort of artificial intelligence, if it watches the behavior of people, would be to eradicate people. That's just observations. Because artificial intelligence has no soul, and it has, it may have a consciousness, but it's not going to be a living entity, even though they're going to try to tell you that it is. And that's another part of their dark little plan, is always that they're trying to bring things together using cells, brain cells from children and whatever else they can drum up. So we're, we're in a pretty awful time in that sense. And there's an obsession of right now, a, an unrestrained obsession to do it because we can not do it be, and not question it whether we should. And that's leading us to some really pretty difficult moments that we're all going to have to come to grips with. This movie that we're in, whatever it is, and it is in a certain sense, it is a movie whether we accept it or not. Well, let's take, for example, Elon Musk that we talked about in the previous hour. These people lie because they assume roles. Like Musk has lied about his entire background. They assume the roles and they put it off. They become actors in a play that's being orchestrated by the elites. And I've been asking myself a lot of questions lately in terms of scripture because I'm asking, okay, so what does the world look like if we, if we frame the world that way when Christ was walking the earth? What does that look like then? And we start to see something very profound. This is just a optic lens to put on this. This is not so much an interpretation, but we know that the Pharisees were in power. We know that a lot of the narrative was controlled, and we know that the angle, the focus that we're looking at through scripture is the relationship people had to God through the Pharisees. So it was always through them to the Father. And depending on how you tithe and how much money you could give, that would give your direction and path towards your 
their place in heaven. So these are these are questions that now change, or not questions, but their perspectives that are modified when we start to look at Christ being the disruptor. And we look at that today, and, and we are in itself, if we want to look at it in a, in a metaphorical way, as we work through the body of Christ, we're disrupting so much of what this encasement and mental enslavement is. And it's creating quite a stir across the globe and it's, it's shaking things up. So with that, I want to look at Habakkuk tonight. I'm going to read through Habakkuk. I think it's an important book to consider because there's a lot of things in this and there's a lot of parallels in itself as we did Esther, I believe last week. There's a lot of, of Habakkuk in this. And what's important about this story, I think, is that not everything is as it is all rosy. And we tend to be a, a people that look very hard at the positive. We want to find that God is doing good for us and kind of missing some of the greater parts of how God moves the world to awaken us, whether or not it is what we would perceive as good. So beginning with Habakkuk 1, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, How long shall I cry for help, and and will you not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted." And this was the Lord's answer. Look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and nasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves, their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar, and they fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward, their grave captives like sand. At kings they scoff, at, the, at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Habakkuk then says, Are you not from the are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my holy one? Why shall not we shall not die? O Lord, we have obtained them as, as a judgment, and you a rock have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? For make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. 
He gathers them in his dragnet. He rejoices and he is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by they, he lives in luxury and his light food is rich. Is he then to keep emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? This sets a very interesting condition up because Habakkuk is complaining and asking God to intervene. As we're hearing. And God is telling him, the things that I'm doing are greater than you could possibly imagine or would believe. And he begins by talking about the Chaldeans, who are absolutely ruthless. But as we're kind of learning, Habakkuk's people have become weak, accepting, lame, passive, docile. And so this is an interesting parallel where we are right now. Though this will offend some people, and that's okay if it does, but a large part of America has been pacified. And we've become very accepting of what we have and be very complacent with the wealth and riches that we've gained over time. Now, from a simple optic, if you were to go to a third world nation, or like I, I obviously reference Afghanistan a lot because I was there, one of the things that always impressed me was how hungry people were for opportunity and they didn't miss it. If they had it, they grabbed it and ran with it. One of those examples was an interpreter that I had, I was working with. He wasn't my interpreter, but he worked with me for a while. And he had built on a complete business empire out of just little junk, what I'd call junk shops. If you know what a Conex box is, they put on the back of trucks. He had bought three of them, and he had had them customized. And the cost of customizing them is probably equivalent to about three or $5,000 U.S. And they make little stores out of them. So they, put a, the, they have the double doors that open up, and they put shelves in them, and they put a kiosk in there, like a checkout counter kiosk, and variety of things, and they stock it with goods. And they'll put these outside of fire bases around the country because these remote fire bases don't have anything. And so then he would use his network of people that he would have, and he would get products from Afghanistan, usually which is coming from China. And they'd sell everything from USB sticks to music to uh, digital cameras. He could get anything you wanted. They'd always have cigarettes, which were typically Korean cigarettes called Pine, really bad brand. I don't smoke. I'm just telling what guys tell me. And anyway, so they would have just about everything you needed, batteries, chargers, whatever you needed, food, snacks, and guys would spend American dollars there. And that was the equivalent of having like a PX or a military exchange because they didn't have any of these at the foreign at these markets. Well, he's, he set up three of these. Now, in Afghanistan, a person can live off of about $100 a month. You don't live it lavishly, but you can live off of $100 a month. He was generating an income between his three kiosks, his stores, of thirty to 40000 a month. And in the process, he was able to buy a home for his parents and his sister and a home for himself. This was That's enterprising. That's innovation. That's just taking something that... Nobody else was looking at and just grabbing it and running with it. We tend not to be that aggressive anymore. We tend to 
we tend not to do, and I'm not going to say universally that's true. I mean, like everybody, but as a nation, we're just, we're not as eager for the opportunities that come at us. And right now, especially people are worn down. This is really a time to be doing bold things right now. It's a great time to be doing bold things, but not bold things in the way everyone else does it. But this is the trial that we're faced with because as a nation, there's a lot of question of where are we? We've got a lot of people that have taken toe the line of obedience rather than disobedience or defiance. And we're facing adversaries right now like Russia and China that are truly hungry. And they're solid. And it's things that we are going to have to come to grips with as a nation. And this is where I come back to the story now. It's just kind of where we've kind of set a condition here that is something a little bit like that. So we'll continue. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see that he will, what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as a shield. His death he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him? with scoffing and riddles for him, and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, for how long, and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise, and who's awake, who will make them tre- make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you, for the blood of man and violence of the earth to cities and who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to see his nest on high, for to be safe with the rich of harm, for the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts the peoples labor merely for fire, and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth is to be, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink, and pour out your wrath and make them drink. In order to gaze in the darkness, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your, your uncircumcision. The cup of the Lord's right hand will come around you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and will be, and will the, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities, and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when the, its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies? For it makes trust of its own creation, when he makes speechless idols, 
Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to the silent stone, Arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath added at all in it. But the Lord is the holy temple. Let the earth keep silence before him. It's a very interesting passage because we're here at a point now where the Lord starts to reveal his greater works. And this is one of these things, again, where as we reflect on today, there's a lot of this somewhat happening. As he's allowing the Chaladians to come in, he's creating the trap for the Chaladians. And so the question is, well, and this is really Habakkuk is at this point of, well, what about us? And the Lord is, what about you? You are part of the plan, the part of a master plan of bringing everybody to me and sorting out everybody on the threshing floor. This is this place back to where Joshua faces the captain of the Lord's army. And he says, are you for us or against us? And the Lord's and the captain of the army says, no. Meaning I'm not with either of those. I'm with, I am the captain of the Lord's army. I'm not part of this crazy world and this bifurcation, this duality, these two things, this either or. And I think it's very important that we hold these positions and understand that even the trials that we may face as a nation, I don't think it's out of question that we're going to see a mighty fall in terms of who we are as a nation. And it will take some time to rebuild. And I hear the promises of, or the hopes of, in political speech, make America great, will be greater than we ever were before. But there's a time factor in there that has to be considered. And there's a moral reshifting of foundations that has to be considered if we really want to be considered great. And so really the question that it begs is, what is greatness? What is greatness? Because if we're going to, if we're going to take greatness in terms of material things, and we've learned literally nothing. If we're going to take greatness in terms of how much manufacturing capacity we have to export more stuff around the world, then we've really learned nothing. If we're going to take greatness in terms of how many ships we can put into the sea and how mighty of an army we can have or military we can have to conquer other nations, then again, we've learned nothing. Our nation was never intended to be an expeditionary nation of exporting its power and its will upon other nations. And we weren't intended to be the, the enslaver of others. We were intended to help others become free by example, first and foremost. But we've become that military wing, not too different from the Chaladians, in fact. And now it's being turned on us a bit. We're having to face this. We have no idea the true status of our military. This is a complete shadow of deception. We don't know whether we can trust or not trust that position. We've learned fairly well that we can't trust politicians because they've well sold us out. So what can we trust? And I run into this a lot in these conversations. People will say, well, what do we do? Our government's bad. We don't have any advocates for us. And it's all, the answer's so easy. And yet it's so hard for some to realize. Because you can visualize Trump, President Trump, you can visualize him as a physical being, and therefore he becomes a person you would look to, for example, to lead the country out of this. But why is it we cannot put our trust in the Lord? 
And I'm not saying any one of you that's listening isn't doing that. I'm talking about collectively as a nation. Because we shirk from that. And yet, in the Declaration of Independence, it says that our rights are given to us by our creator and our unalienable rights. So what is that? Is this like the Lord came in, gave us a little sprinkle of unalienable rights and left and said, you got it, I'll see you later. That never left. We're the ones that left it. So in this moment right now around the world, as the world is turning and shaping, the difficult part that we're all going to have to work through, and it's going to take all of us, is we have to reset our expectations of what greatness looks like. We have to redefine that. Because if greatness is having a war and sending young men and women over to fight, to have body bags come home, and then to have a ticker tape parade and celebrate the fact that we've got an American flag flying over on some damn fob where they're going to be shooting people, that's not making America great. If making America great is unifying on the home front to build a greater and more powerful economy together to start going beyond the traditions of ownership in the classic sense, but start working more towards open source solutions towards things, building a better infrastructure, innovating ways that no one else can do, being inspired to lead to a new dimension, but not worried about whether we're competing with somebody else, but doing it for us. Maybe we're starting to learn something there. And that doesn't ever say that we don't do that with a strong defense, just so I qualify that, because we should always have a profoundly powerful defense. Because there's always going to be people or countries or leaders that want to try to take advantage of us. So we don't need to be weak and know we're in the Lord's creation of us. Did he say, please be a doormat? And you've heard me say that many times. Which in all fairness came from Pastor Travis Graham's wife, Holly, who said that one day in church and it stuck. It was great. So, Patriots, we're, we're really in a profound moment here because we're very much in the place where Habakkuk was with his people. And we have the potential, and I don't say this to put a dark omen on your night, but just hear me out. We easily could be facing something very unsettling in this nation. We could see a complete breakdown of every bit of infrastructure that we've counted on, the governance that we've counted on. A, a, a whole, we could even potentially see a very ugly land fight here on our soil. And I don't say that that will happen. I sure as heck hope it won't, and I don't pray for it. But all of this process at the end is about all of God's children being brought to tone atone for all that we've done. This world has been living with a curse over it. The Lord has lifted one of the biggest curses we had over our nation. It really was triggered with the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And then the removal of Roe versus Wade, we've all felt it. There's been a spiritual shift in this nation because instead of death hanging over it, we now have life rising up within it. And yet the sadness of that still faces us that are awake. The reality that what we're looking at here is still much more death to come. We're dealing with sterilization of people and and damage from the vax. Emotional damages from these last few years, children in particular. And physical damage of parents that have been sucked into this brainwashing garbage of LGBTQ and gender modification when a child is in their early years, when they're vulnerable. 
there's some serious pain that we all have to own and share. Because that's how we're going to get through these curses that are being put upon us time and again. And curses are, I think, in that sense of these dark omens, these shadows that lay over nations. The question you have to ask is what takes, what does it take to wake people, to shake them from that acceptance of complacency or omens, these dark shadows? Sometimes it takes very heavy suffering. See, that's the part that I think we too often forget is it's not just because I'm doing having a good day that the Lord loves me. I think it's much deeper than the fact that the Lord always loves me and there's going to be many dark days as well and the Lord loves me just as much on those. Arguably, the Lord is there more profound and pronounced in my life on the hardest and worst of days. We just need to lean in a little bit more. And in this process of Habakkuk, the way I read Habakkuk, this is what Habakkuk comes to in understanding. So let's finish with number th- with book or chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shingi, Shingonath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from the Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was light, was like the light, and rays flashed from his hand. And there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed on it at its heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and withered. And raging waters swept on deep gate swept on, the deep gave forth its voice, it lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place, and the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury, and you threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from the thick of to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor secret. You trampled the sea with your horses and the surging mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon my people who invade us. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor fruits beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord of my strength, he makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes my tread on my high places. To the choir master, who stringed with stringed instruments. And so it is really a, a very insightful view that Habakkuk has of understanding all of the threat that now faces them. A savage conquering of the nation. And yet through all of this, as he trembles at the end with the thought of all of this happening, he comes to an understanding, a peace, to realize that in through all of that, the Lord still loves him. And he loves the Lord. I think this is one of these very critical places in our walk right now that nearly needs to, really needs to be emphasized and considered by all of us. And, and Habakkuk and Esther are like two of my favorite books. Haggai is another one. And I, I say these things because when you read Habakkuk and you kind of look at where things are today, it looks looming like that. I'm not saying, I'm not forecasting and I'm not prophesying. But it looks looming like that. And you could see a scenario, if you allow your mind to drift, of a complete and total collapse of the United States, even an invasion of some sort. And it could get very ugly. And so we could find ourselves in a place where we're panicked and worrisome and buried only in one thing. So obsessed with the concern of things like this that we're doing nothing but digging bunkers and stacking ammo and and polishing brass. But here's the deal. In all of this, a guy doesn't do any of it. I'm sorry, Habakkuk doesn't do any of this. He finds the peace within the Lord. And he comes to understand very clearly that no matter what happens, he's there and the Lord is with him. The famines that may come, the fig trees that may not produce fruit. Because in this whole process, the Lord is bringing all of his children together. He's holding them all accountable. And there's the other part of this, which is unspoken, is that Haggai's people are not left unaccounted or having left unaccountable. Their place where they are right now, this sort of sleeping slumber, which is my way of interpreting that, they have walked away from the Lord. How else can he bring them home but to put them through suffering? And it's not that he's intentionally designing this. He's allowing the events to unfold that in the end, evil becomes a tool of good. Our country has lost a moral rudder. It is so far afield from where we should be and where our founding fathers intended and quite frankly, where I believe that God intended us to be. We're wandering out here and we're adrift And with this, it's like we've got lifeboats falling off the side of this big ship and some are racing over to one island and others are racing over to another island. And you got a bunch of people still dancing on the mid-floor in the middle of the ship as the ship begins to sink, very much Titanic-ish. And the violins are still playing. And yet no one is paying attention to the bigger picture. Because in this panic and this fury of everything that's going on, everybody had come together and worked together and stayed together that storm would have passed 
See, that's really the probably for me. When I reflect on the events that have occurred over the last six years, in particular in the last two, there's one piece that just keeps striking me over and over. And that is simply if we had just said no. Just like the captain of the guard that faced, it was standing before Joshua. And it was, are you for the vax? Are you against the vax? No. Are you for a Republican or are you Democrat? No. Are you for mask or against mask? No. See, because in that place, it has nothing to do with this politics of stupidity that were put on everybody's head and the politics of division. Because in that position of no, if someone chose to wear a mask and it was theirs to wear and that's all they wanted to do, then that's theirs to choose. I don't care. But the one thing that's unique in that position of no is the understanding, this desire to seek truth. And in fact, obviously the the captain of the Lord's army stands in truth, where Joshua's more in that place of trying to understand what's right and what's wrong. And in this case, Habakkuk has been working from the similar paradigm because he's looking at it from his people's perspective. And it's like, Lord, look what's coming at us. They're going to attack us. And God's like, yeah, I'm doing some great things here. And Habakkuk's like, what are you talking about? You're doing great things. We're going to get sacked. And the Lord walks him through it all. And Habakkuk arrives at that place, that same place of the captain of the Lord's army, what I'll call the place of no, meaning the rejection of these bipolar outcomes. See, we don't think we value that enough. When we walk with the Lord, we're not caught in these bipolar outcomes. Right now, it's Republican or Democrat, win or lose. And if we don't do this, we lose everything. It's all at stake. And if we're going to be honest and we're really walking with Jesus, we're going to say, uh, no, we don't lose anything at all. What we lose is when we lose ourself, we lose our focus, we lose our worship, we lose our intimacy with Jesus and with Father, then yes, that's a big loss. Because right now, we all need to be standing over on this side with God. It's his path. It's a calming path. It's a fearless path. It doesn't matter whether the fig trees bear fruit. It doesn't matter what the famine levels become. It doesn't matter whether you have fuel or not. It's inconvenience. It's hard on you. There's times like this. But if our true relationship is with the Lord and we're framing it that way, then everything and every that we're going through and everything that we have is his to give and his to remove, his to bless, his to dole out. And the Lord doesn't want us to suffer, but the Lord needs us to want him more than anything else in the world. And that to me is what's so profound. And when we're seeking the Lord to that level, wow. Literally, wow. What else is there? And as we go deeper in those paths we and we listen, we find those things that we must strip away, we must let go of. And we find those things that we must accept and embrace. None of them are easy. Each step, we get a little bit more, and things become increasingly more challenging as we rise. 
Habakkuk does that in three chapters. Obviously, it's a representation of much more time and conversation than what the words are there, but it's deep. It's a prophet who is literally self-loathing that ends up realizing his errors of his ways and returns to simply loving God. Don't self-loathe. Don't worry about the nation. Pray for it. Listen to what God has for us. But most of all, we have to stay true to him. I don't know what this is going to do unfolding. I could, if I let myself like everybody else, I could probably lose sleep over it at night worrying about what things are to come. I don't. And that just doesn't happen with me, at least not anymore. But my point is that it's easy to get wrapped up into those moments of trying to anticipate what you can't control. You can't control what's going on in Washington, D.C. at the federal level anywhere. You can't control what's going on at your state. You might be able to influence it a little bit, but you mostly can't. It's hard enough to have influence on the county level. What you can control is your home. What you can control is your day. What you can control is your relationship with Christ. What you can control is how you express that love and that intimacy in every encounter that you make. What we can control is what's in our reach and what God provides us in our reach. And when we live there and we're worried about the moment, we're really not so concerned. And we really aren't concerned at all about much else. And the rest of this other stuff just pretty much falls apart. All of this attempts to brainwash. And it's constantly stirring. I'm going to read two quotes here. One is from James Monroe. It is only when people become ignorant and corrupt, when they degenerate generate into a populace, that they are incapable of exercising their sovereignty. There's a large part of our population that sits right there right now. And then there's this. Never fret for what is past, nor be anxious about the future. Men of discernment deal only with the present moment. That's the warrior mindset. And when we sit there, as Habakkuk finally gets to that point, stopping worrying about the imagination of what's to come, the raiders, the crushers, all these things, the horses, all of this stuff that he's been worried about, when he finally puts that aside and he sits in the moment, he discovers there's only one thing that's there. It's constant, it's powerful, it's forgiving, and it's infinitely loving. And that's the Lord. And that's where we each need to strive to sit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Very, just a refreshing fellowship that we share each day, and we're blessed with this time. Father, tonight we're just really reminded of Habakkuk and his rejoicing in you. The realization of the things that we cling on to, the material things as indicators of how we interpret you and we miss the greater sense of how you love us and how we must love you back. And as Habakkuk explains so beautifully and articulates so beautifully, as he discusses the fig tree that would not blossom or the olive that might fail, 
or the flock that would be cut off from the fold. What he understands in all of that as we now sit here tonight is the understanding that in spite of all of those challenges, you're still there. And your love is still there. And that's where we need to be, to reciprocate that love, to live in that space, and to never let it go. Lord, this, tonight our prayers are very simple. Just that space, that space of mutual, shared, everlasting love. To share it with you as you extend it to us. Whatever that looks like for every person. But let it be profound. Let it be powerful. Let it be amazing. Let it be unforgettable. Let it be life-changing. So there's never a temptation to go on a different path. There's never a question of where we walk. Just a powerful moment with you that secures our feet on that rock of faith and sets us on that path of forever persistently seeking you in the most amazing and beautiful way. Thank you, Father, for this time tonight. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is just a time, I think, all of us, as we are eager to see big victories, and we are. People want to see the fall of nations and fall of leadership and corrupt. And I don't, you know, I, I know that I, I probably come out as a a pessimist and it's not intended to be. I am very much a realist. And I need to be very clear here. I think at times, not always, but at times some of the things I say sounds very pessimistic because I question things. But questioning is at the core of how we learn and how we grow. I don't like accepting leadership open promises. I don't like accepting things that don't have some tangible teeth to them. We, we need to be that persistent because that's holding others accountable as we would hold ourselves accountable. I don't sit here waiting for someone else to fix my life because when I'm working with, with God, that relationship is guiding me to do things that are putting empowerment back in my life, which affects others in a positive way. That's reciprocity. And it's one that we have to consider. We need to be working in that place of not to not have joy, but it's, it's a roller coaster of emotions because on this place that we're riding now, when you race to see something and anticipate something happening and it doesn't quite hit to that level, then it's not quite as an exhilarating moment. And then you fall down when the next thing, when it doesn't go quite right, and it becomes this sine wave of ups and downs that ultimately wear us out and it wears down our faith. But you know the amazing thing about faith is when we're walking in faith, there is no up and down. It's very level. And those moments when we really touch the power of God, which is neutral as far as what we would call good or bad, whatever those moments are, we might consider some of those emotionally sad, others emotionally elevating. But faith is level. 
But what we feel then in that level walk is this amazing welling of the power of love. And it doesn't matter whether it's a good thing or a bad thing in that other world. If you've touched it, you know it. It's overwhelming. It's tears that you can't explain. It's a power of a touch that is so profound. Any moment, good or bad, becomes a moment with Father. And that's the level walk. It is the no. It is the neither. Have a blessed night, patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. We need a lot of level-headed prayers right now for a nation to walk that walk of faith, not that mountain and valley of emotions. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Safe place to hide from the rain. 